Mr. Hantak, I'm a teacher at the high school. I, and I know I say this for every single message I give, but uh, I am so thrilled to have this opportunity to, to speak to you guys in a different way. Some, some of you guys, years from now, will have me uh, or will see me at the high school pretty frequently, but I like being able to speak in this sort of way um, outside of high school and kind of in a different light in a literal sense, too. Um, You know, my number one passion is not being a teacher. My number one passion isn't chemistry, even though I really like chemistry and all that. Um, My number one passion is Christ, and to see future generations, you guys, learn. I love learning in general, but learn the right things in the right way, um, and to find yourself in Christ first and foremost. And then I can teach you all these other cool things with chemistry. Um, Our topic for tonight, so... um, if you want to switch my slides, Van, uh, we can go there. So our, our topic for tonight, it's, it's an extension of what Taylor talked about uh, with the gospel. We're going to have a four-week series. Taylor gave an overview, and I'll give you a reminder of that on the next slide. Uh, and I'm gonna, then we're going to dive into three key topics. And the topic I have today is emotion. And I kind of find it funny that I'm the one presenting on emotion because I am not a crier. Like, I'm not the person who gets teary-eyed, misty-eyed, or just kind of balls um, whatever. I mean, yes, like if there's something serious that happened, yes, I, I probably would cry, but I'm the person that just kind of sits there like, okay, yes, I am sad, but you might not see it. Uh, I think the only, like, if you think about like a movie, maybe you cried to a movie before, the only movie I think I've cried to was the ending scene in like Toy Story 3 where they're about to go in the incinerator. Like that's like maybe the one movie scene I can remember where I have probably a, a single tear come down, but then the claw, and then they were saved, so we were good. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm not much of a trier, but I, I do show emotions. I, you know, extreme joy. Uh, any, any hockey fans out there? I'm the only one? Sweet. St. Louis Blues, Stanley Cup champs. I've never screamed so loud in my life for joy. Oh, what a great feeling. Uh, laughter, that video of the week. You're welcome. I love that video. Um, but nowadays, I, I would describe myself as pretty even keel. I, I don't get too high and I don't get too low. Yes, I have emotions, but... I wouldn't really just describe myself as an emotional guy, so to speak. If you want to go to the next slide. Uh, so like I said, kind of where we're at, uh, last week Taylor uh, gave us a gospel overview with everything. He talked about how uh, it, the message was one of Paul's letters, uh, and he talked about why Paul preached the gospel. Basically, it's good news. It's super important. There's great weight to the gospel. And also had, you know, Taylor also had that really super intricate drawing on the whiteboard of like, when you view the gospel this way, this is how your life changes. I'm not going to recap all that, but there's one thing I I picked up from Taylor's message that I thought was really important. It's this quote, believing in the gospel is a promise of a life without hate, pain, shame, and despair. But most importantly, is a promise of life with Jesus. And that's super, super important. And that's why Paul preach that, and there's so much weight to that, and that's what Taylor kind of talked about. Where we're going from here is, okay, so we have this thing called the gospel. We have this good news. There's kind of three natural ways we tend to respond to it, and there's three um, in our responses. It's either our emotions, which we'll talk about today, how we perform, you know, is our natural response, oh, I need to, to be good and do good and just kind of white knuckle and grit my teeth and just be a good, be a good person. We tend to try to rely on our own performance. Or do we feel shame? Do we feel like, no, there's no way Jesus could have died for me because I'm too bad of a person? Or, oh, no, this is too hard for me to, to, to dig up because I'm so ashamed of it. And the gospel has responses to all three of those things, our emotions, our performance, and our shame. 
But like I said, I'm just talking about the emotion, emotion aspect today. Next slide. So to, to kind of get us thinking a little bit, I, I'm going to have a lot of questions that come up that you don't necessarily have to answer. It's just things I want you to kind of think about and ponder, except for these two questions. So question one, sorry, it got a little jumbled there. Question one, when you make a decision, would you say that you use your head or would you say you use your heart? Second question, when was the last time you had mixed emotions about something? And then what was that thing that gave you mixed emotions? So for this first question here, I just want you to stand up if one of these things is true for you. So I'll repeat it. When you make decisions, would you say that you use your head more or your heart more? Do you tend to think about things more before making a decision or do you follow your feelings first and foremost? Stand up if you feel like you use your heart more when you make decisions. Like the way you feel about something is going to lead you or is going to dominate kind of what decision you made, okay? And this is just in general. It, maybe there's areas where you make decisions with your head first over your heart or your heart first and then your head. Okay, so if you're standing up, you're saying you make decisions with your heart more than, more than not, okay? And everybody sitting down is with their head or maybe you're just kind of both. So for answering that question for me, I am an analyzer. I use my head more than, more than anything. Um, I tend to try to think through all the situations and variables before making a decision. And this is true for almost any situation, even things like food. You know, something like food, you think, oh, I, it's just based on what I'm craving, right? Well, for me, I actually use my head into it too because I have to buy my food. So it's like, okay, I love ice cream, but if people are, if, if ice cream is this expensive or Uncle Bob's is this expensive, I can't necessarily get Uncle Bob's every time. I have to make a smart decision. Or if I care about my health too, it's like, okay, I love ice cream, but I got to think about this decision before I go with that. Even though, you know, food's something that we all have cravings for and we make decisions with our hearts at times. Uh, there's only really one area that I, I make decisions with my, heart, my, with my heart, and that's really just my two cute nieces. Um, you know, they're just too cute for me uh, to think too hard about. But there are things I do think about with them, like down the road, if I want to help them in college. That's something I got to think about now and not later. Um, but it's a mix of the two, I'd say. Second question. When was the last time you had mixed emotions about something? What was that thing? I'll take hands if you want to answer this in a second, but I'll, I'll say my answer first. So for me, something I have mixed emotions on is criticism, just in general, whether it's good criticism or bad criticism. You know, good criticism, or if I get criticized, I'm happy to be getting corrected, hopefully in a very respectful, good, good way. But obviously, you have the natural knee-jerk reaction or response of like, there's nothing wrong with me. Why, why, why are you criticizing me? That's something I, I would say I have mixed emotions on. On one side, I, I, I'm happy I'm being corrected because I want to do better. But on the other side, it's like, that's my pride. No, I, I'm fine. So that's kind of my answer to that. Are there any other thoughts we have to that? Something that gives you mixed emotions. I know one probably for everybody in here. School? You have mixed emotions on this question? Um, I, I don't know if mixed emotions is the same thing as having, being unsure, but yeah, I, I see where you're getting at. But, I mean, school, right? On one side, maybe we're, I wouldn't say we're sick of summer, but we all kind of get that itch of like, okay, I think I'm ready to go back, like I'm ready to see my friends, I'm ready to 
to maybe learn something. But on the other side, too, it's like, well, a lot of my freedom's being taken away and, like, you know, get, gotta get back in that habit. That's something I think we probably have a lot of mixed emotions on. So anyway, those are two questions. Do you make decisions with your head or your heart? And then what do you have mixed emotions on? That's something that's kind of be in the backdrop as we go today. Next slide. So our text today is from Matthew 7, 24 through 27. If you want to open your Bible to that or uh, pull out your phone to that section, I'll give you a chance to do that. Uh, I'll set the scene before we dive into it. I also have the, the verses up here. I'm reading from the NIV translation. So the context of this story uh, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. This is Jesus' first big sermon series or series of messages to his people or to whoever listened. Um, this is where Jesus started to turn all the past teachings kind of upside down. Not that he changed them, not that he, he like, took scripture out of context or anything, but the things people knew, he just started to really flip and, and make people see it in a different light maybe. Um, things like prayer, judging, worry, giving, so many areas. And this is one snippet of that section. Quite honestly, this is actually my favorite section of the Bible. Um, and I think it's because I'm a teacher, because I see this as the greatest teaching lesson of all of history, is the Sermon on the Mount. So I love this section of the Bible. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and read the passage, like I said, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, reading from the NIV. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Excuse me. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against his house, and it fell with a great crash. So, if you think about what the message is on, what word is missing in this message? Sai? Uh, think about what my, Jesus is speaking here. I said that beforehand. Jesus, I don't think Jesus talks about himself in the third person, ever. I am Jesus. <laughs> well, maybe he does. He, says, I, he, says, he does say I'm God. What's my talk on tonight? Emotions. Um, there's not one word in there that even suggests emotions. So why, why talk about this scripture, or, or how does this kind of fit in? Well, the actual, the title of this section, if you were to look in, in your Bible at like the header for it, it says the wise and foolish builders. There's a wise brother and the wise brother, he built his house on the rock, and as life happened, the house still stood, and the foolish brother, he built his house on sand, and that didn't go too hot for him as things got rough. So this passage might not necessarily be about emotion, but here's kind of how it ties in. So Jesus, speaking here, he is calling in verse 26 to pay attention and put into practice what he is saying. So if you think about all the things Jesus says, it's really a call to, of obedience, if Jesus is telling you to do this thing and not this thing, that boils down to being obedient to, to the Lord. And that if you're not being obedient, that's a kind of a shaky faith um, when we're not being that. So if you don't put the things into practice that he's saying, you are being foolish. So really, it's kind of like a blank to fill in. It's, it's kind of saying this. One way we are foolish is 
fill in the blank. And there's many ways where we can be foolish. But for my message, think of it this way. We are foolish when we base our belief solely on our emotions. We are foolish when we believe in the gospel when things are going really well. Or we are foolish when we don't believe and trust in God and Christ when things are really hard. Now, that's not to say that, that emotions aren't a part of us, but it's foolish when we are basing how we feel about Christ just based on how we feel. Think to my first two questions, or uh, the second question, mixed emotions. Well, that right there kind of shows you that there's a problem in relying on emotions if they can always be mixed. You know, do you have mixed emotions to, to the Bible? Do you have mixed emotions to, to cross-point and hype? Well, if you're basing your involvement just on those emotions, then yeah, maybe there's a problem. There's a, there's a contradiction that happens. Really what this illustration is showing is that what supports our belief in the gospel? Is it based on the word of God and the truth and the authority it carries? Or is it more based on our emotional response to it that we know can be mixed and change and can simply just be hard to read? You know, think about like a little, little, little kid, maybe less than toddler age. They start crying, right? You don't know why they're crying. You know they're upset, you know they're sad, but you have no idea why, what set them off or what made them cry. Now, hopefully that doesn't happen as much to you nowadays, but there are times where we just kind of get upset and we don't understand why. It's like, it's like when you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. It's like, I don't know why I'm mad, but I'm mad. Or I don't know why I'm angry, but I'm angry. So that goes to show emotions can be shaky, and if we're basing our faith off of that, then maybe there's a problem there. Now, before we, oh, excuse me. These words by Christ not only suggest, but show that belief in the gospel needs to be grounded in truth above all things. Now, I'm not trying to say that we need to have a logical argument to our belief in faith. Although, if you think about the Bible logically, that will build your faith up. I can promise you that. But what it's saying is, our belief in Christ needs to first and foremost be because it's true. The Bible isn't a, a fairy tale. The stories that we hear about, even the crazier ones like Jonah and the whale, are true. And that needs to set our faith first. Not how we feel about it, but because it is true. Then our emotions can kind of fit in. And that's kind of what I'm going to break down in my message today. Is just how do our emotions fit into our faith and not dictate our faith? So but before we move on, I want you to really understand this point. I am not going to be talking about the extremes. I'm not going to be talking about a robotic faith, like a robot showing no emotions, does what it's told, does what it's programmed to do. We don't come into church on Sundays programmed to, to maybe sit in the same seat, although I'm guilty of that <laughs> every Sunday. I think I, I like staying in the same sort of area. But maybe your faith does feel robotic at times. But I'm also not going to talk about the extreme of only seeing your faith or only being faithful during strong times of emotions. Really, our emotions need to fit in their proper place because, yes, they are a part of us. God gave us these emotions. So, diving in. Next slide. How do our emotions fit in? Because they are a part of us. God gave us these characteristics, and we'll actually dive into the Bible a little bit later in my message to see what emotions fit in. Really, there's kind of three things that need to happen with our emotions. We need to recognize them, we need to understand them and then remind ourselves that they are not telling us what is true. They can reveal stuff about ourselves, but we can't let our emotions tell us that 
oh, because I feel this way, this thing must be true, and the gospel isn't true. Or because I feel this sort of way about a situation, I then can't believe that thing Christ said. But first, we do need to recognize them and understand how do they fit in, because they, they do fit in. Think of it this way. In the world, you guys have probably heard these phrases before. We are constantly asked the question of how do we feel? Or how does that make us feel? Which are valid questions. We're told to do what makes you happy. Follow your heart. That's a very common one. Well, at face value, those don't sound like bad things. You know, if, if your heart's good, then yeah, follow your heart. Do what makes you feel happy. Let's go back to ice cream. I love ice cream. I always crave ice cream. But if I always ate ice cream, if I followed my heart in eating ice cream, there'd be a few problems, namely my health and my wallet for that. There's, a, there's an innate problem there of just always following your heart. We need to recognize and understand that our emotions can be fickle, flighty, and easily changed by circumstance. Maybe you heard it this way, don't cry over spilled milk. Very, very common phrase. Or a minor, minor inconvenience. Um, you know, to all my video game players, like a load screen. If the load screen's taking too long, what are some of our emotions that come there? I mean, Sai's already shaking his head. So, you know, a minor inconvenience. Maybe, maybe you have to go reset the game to then load it back up. But in that, in that one minor inconvenience, we have an emotional response that's, you know, <laughs> not ruining the experience, but making it less enjoyable, I would say. Or uh, for maybe, for those who drive out here, just road rage, you know. For, sometimes it's, it's, oh, it's not me, it's them, you know, or whatever. You know, minor inconvenience that just brings out our emotions because our emotions can be fickle, flighty, and just easily, easily changed by circumstance. So there's a problem in there. We need to recognize our emotions and take them at kind of face value. A book I'm actually reading on kind of this sort of topic, uh, it's really about approaching and being with, um, kind of meeting people where they're at and their problems. It's called Side by Side. Something I took from there. We could sum up our emotions this way. They usually proceed from our hearts, are given shape by our bodies, reflect the quality of our relationships, bear the etchings of both the goodness and the meaninglessness of work, provide a peek into how we fare in spiritual battle, and identify what we really believe about God. Breaking that down, essentially, our emotions can show us quite a bit about what we believe about God and the gospel and his word. And if you think about how well you control your emotions, you're also showing how well you show your faith. If our emotions are always changing, if our emotions are, we're going from zero to 100 and back to zero or wherever the case may be, you're reflecting things about what you believe in. Or you're, you're reflecting maybe things that you're battling with. Because remember, like I'm saying, I'm not trying to say we need to be robots in, in what we believe in. But we first need to recognize and understand, okay, what is this emotion? Okay, I'm, I'm angry. Why am I angry? Okay, because this happened to me, or someone did this to me, or, wow, I actually deal with a bigger battle that is sin that I need to address. And then go into God in truth, believing his word first, to then confront that emotion and confront those feelings, because, yes, they are part of us. Maybe say it this way. Remember, I'm not trying to say you can't be sad or upset that things that happen, and, and maybe major seasons of life occur. You know, if you, if you have, maybe, maybe this is your story, because this will be, I'll explain this a little bit later too, um, death in the family, sickness, illness, 
um, financial issues and troubles. Yeah, those bring out emotions, and rightly so. But when we let those emotions kind of dictate what we are believing right then and there, that's when we're being foolish. Go back to the text. That's when our house is built up on sand, and as times get tough, goes away. Or, seeing what Jesus said, for those who follow my words and keeps it are, are wise. Okay, times get tough, the emotions are there. Now we just go dive head first into our emotions and we're not believing Christ and what he's saying. There. We're, we're not being obedient to his teaching. We're not believing the truth anymore. And that's an issue. And that's a response to the gospel with our emotions. Let me say it this way. Emotions are a part of our story. Characteristics that God gives us and can aid us in our belief and worship of God. But they are not the reason why we believe. You've seen it up there the entire time. My kind of big idea from this, so other than flea market Montgomery, here's the really big thing I want you to take away from this. Our emotions are a part of our story, our characteristics that God gives us, I just said this, and can aid us in our belief and worship of God, but they cannot be the cornerstone of our faith and why we believe. Because they're fickle. They're flighty. They change. And that's fine. It's okay that they, that they change and, and um, go from zero to 100 or whatever. But when we recognize and understand, those are the first two steps. And, but number three, don't let them tell, tell us what is true. Before I go to the next slide, think about it this way. Don't believe the lie of, I can't control my emotions. My anger got the best of me. So many people say that, like, like um, if you go to bed angry, like let's say you said something to your parents, and the next morning you're like, you go apologize, hopefully, to your parents, and you say something like, yeah, I just couldn't control my emotions. My anger got the best of me in that time. I'm, I know I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that with, with students I have through, through the grind of the school year of just, I mean, actually, kind of funny story, Cade, my first year teaching, so, you know, a lot of grace needs to be shown there. Cade, how many times did you have me during the day? Three. Cade had me three times during the day. Uh, twice were for actual classes. Once was for being my TA, so kind of like my servant, <laughs> honestly. Um, but he had me during, he had me during a prep hour, so it was awesome. Yes, ser servant leadership. Go Eureka. Um, yeah, there were plenty of times where by, I think, six hours the last hour you had me. No, you had me for seven, too. I can't remember. But, like, yeah, there were, there were certainly days and times where it's like, I didn't want to see me, you didn't want to see me. You know, and there might be something I did or said at the time because I let my emotions get the best of me or I let the day get the best of me or my anger get the best of me. And there's reconciliation. You know, we still had, he still had me three times a day throughout the whole year. It's not like he wasn't my TA anymore or dropped my class. But, but yeah, there, there are times when it feels like we can't control our emotions, but... Actually, you can. That's such a lie that you can't control your emotions. You can have your emotions, but you can control them. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit later. Next slide. So really what I'm getting at is we need to put our emotions in our proper place. And, and really what that is is discernment. These three questions up here, I want you to kind of think of these as I dive into part of my testimony. When do I find myself trusting in the gospel the most? When times are good and easy? or when times are hard? What kinds of things make me emotional and wavering in what I believe, 
and what truths of the gospel or the Bible do I find it hard to believe in? So three things if you want to write them down. By all means, write them down. But these questions I, I kind of want you to consider as I unpack good times and bad times and part of my testimony. So there's the good times. Maybe it's really easy for you to believe in the gospel when things are going really well. Or how about this? Camp high? Can someone define that for me? What camp high means? Sorry. Um, like you go to camp and you know you have your glass and then as soon as you go home then it's like you fall out of that routine of doing this, that, that. It's just like yeah. Mm-hmm. So camp high, if you've ever gone to a camp or maybe just a, a general maybe it was a good Sunday Sunday morning service that really that really spoke to you. You come out of there feeling great about your faith. Like, maybe you got really convicted, repented, and, and you're, 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 you're really gung-ho about Christ again. And you go back into reality, and then it kind of tapers off over, over time. For me, honestly, so I did Mission Peoria this year. I was a, I was a leader for it. Mission Peoria was a great experience for me uh, as a leader. It, it helped kind of reset me in terms of my spirituality, as well as kind of just getting in, like, the servant working mode, because a teacher in the summer, we can be lazy at times. So that was a great season for me where I kind of had a camp high, but there's emotions with that. Times are good. It's easier to believe in things about Christ. Or is a season of joy, maybe like that. Maybe it's easier to trust the gospel for you. Or maybe it's the reverse. Maybe it's hard for you to believe the gospel because things are just good. Like, why are they good? Well, it's because of me, me, me. Maybe you're just focusing on the joy itself and not the reasons you are happy and the reasons you're happy and not God. Or maybe it's during the bad times. So for the bad times, from the minors of inconveniences to seasons of depression and tough times, is it hard to believe the gospel? Because you know how good could God be or how good can good news be when, seem, when things seem so bleak right now? Maybe that's when you believe the most because you're reminded of past experiences when you were brought down so low and realized God is so high. How about this morning? Who's, who's at uh, church this morning? So this morning, if you weren't here, watch the message. It was amazing. Max, dad, just praise. So it was an emotional morning. It was, a, it was a big call to prayer. And there were a lot of emotions seen that, that came up that were, that were churning people's hearts. I'm not saying those emotions are wrong. Absolutely not. Those emotions led people to pray for each other, for one another, repent, bring things up that maybe they... they um, they haven't confronted in a while or didn't realize that they were failing in or whatever. But maybe for those sort of people, they believe God's stronger when times are bad because that's the only person they can rely on. Think about it this way too. If faith was dictated on our emotions, how does someone who deals with clinical depression and other mental health ailments believe? You know, if, if our faith is based on our emotions and, oh, during the bad times, I don't believe in God because how can God be good if things are so bad right now? How, do, how does someone with mental health even have faith? Well, number one, they do. It's not based on emotions. And I'm not making light of any sort of situation that they're in. One of my closest friends has dealt with clinical depression, and she's one of the strongest believers I know, um, despite those sort of emotions. She recognizes them, she understands them, but doesn't let them tell her what is true. And she also gets help from medical professionals and all those sort of things that are super important there. 
But going back to uh, the message this morning, so that time of prayer, a lot of emotions seen there, a lot of hearts getting turned. But when we're in that emotional state, especially in prayer, we need to recognize the truths of God in the gospel during those prayers. Actually, this morning when I was praying with uh, uh, someone else in the church, the, um, our prayers that we echoed, we actually recognized God's truth first. We weren't saying like, God, don't make him sad, or, or, or God, um, get rid of his emotion. We weren't saying that. We were, our prayer was focusing on God's truths first, and then the, the repentance, or, or then the changed heart in the matter. Actually, one thing Phil said to this morning was, uh, so he was talking about how his knee hurt him, and at work, uh, he had a couple, a couple prayed for his knee. They prayed over it. His knee got healed. You know, praise God, hallelujah, miracle. And the guy said, he, Phil described it this way, the guy showed no emotion. He was basically just like, yep. He said it like that because he knew the truths of the Bible. He knew the truths of Christ. He's like, I knew this was going to happen. He wasn't like shock and awe because like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was really going to happen. So many emotions. I'm sure he was joyous and happy, but he wasn't like abounding in, 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 in crazy emotions because he knew what was true about God and faith and prayer. So good times and bad times for me and my emotions. So I'm not really an emotional person right now, but way back in the past, I was the angry kid. Okay, and, and maybe this is your sibling. Maybe this is you. For me, as the angry kid, and I'm talking probably middle school, a little bit younger than middle school, going into high school. I was a person that, you know, would get upset or, or even cry at silly things. Like, I cried when the Cardinals sucked. Like, I, I remember, and this is when we, we were like a 100-win team. I remember there were times when it's like our stupid closer blew a save, and I was so upset, I went to my room to cry. Because I was just so angry, like, like, why do we keep trusting him? And, and all this stuff. Jason Anderson has him, if you know what I'm talking about, for my Cardinal fans out there. But hey, he's great. Um, for me, that was a constant battle in my youth, and when I became a Christian in high school, I just kind of had that built-up anger in me. For my bad times, for me, I lost my faith, the faith that I had uh, as a middle schooler when times were tough. In my seventh grade year, there were two deaths in our family about six months apart. One of them was a shock, like, this guy was probably, uh, it was kind of a family friend, young 40s, super, super healthy, had a heart attack, died. Six months passed, and then it's my grandma, and I wasn't naive, I, I could kind of see that one coming, she was really old and really sick. Um, but in both those times, there's emotional response, a, a death in the family. For me, here's my thoughts in the little, in my ignorance, here's my thought. How could God be so good when things are so not good right now? How could God keep hurting me and hurting my family when clearly we need a break right now? Emotionally, that was my, my response there. When times are bad, I focus on the bad things. I focus on my emotions and not what I knew to be true about Christ and the Bible. That's kind of ironic. T Taylor last week referenced something about death and our experiences with it because that's something we've, we're all going to experience or, or have already experienced. We know what those feelings feel like, and, or maybe it's, maybe it's recent for you. So for me, the little faith I had, I focus on my emotions, my anger, my sadness, and, and all that. Now, I, I found Christ when I was 15 years old. I'm a 10-year-old Christian now. I wouldn't say I'm the wisest, but I'm certainly a lot wiser. Now, during you know, good times, 
that actually kind of became bad. So for me, I had a vacation uh, in July, very recent, and there were there was something that happened in our vacation that made me super emotional. So my brother, the guy who has my two nieces, um, there was so there's something I was going to talk to him about anyway. There's um, have you ever maybe this is true for you guys? Do you ever describe an adult? that's not in your family, not blood-related, but you call them aunt or uncle. Like, oh, aunts, so-and-so, or, or uncle, whoever. So that, that happens with my two nieces, and call it a pet peeve, I don't know. They're, they're, my brother and his wife do that for some of their family friends, which I get. I, I'm not going to dive into the vernacular, but it's like, for me, I'm their actual uncle. I, I'm the, I know how much I love my two nieces. So... I feel like I'm set apart. And that's my own pride. Like, I was going to have a conversation with my brother basically saying, like, hey, I feel like I'm in the wrong. I'm revealing sin. But also, kind of a pet peeve, can you not, like, like describe this person as aunt, uncle, or, or maybe when I'm around? I don't know. It's just something I had to wrestle with. So that came up. But there was so much other stuff that came up to it, too, because at the same time, so my second niece was born in May. And um, they went through the process of dedicating her and getting her a, excuse me, Godmother and Godfather, which I come later to find out, Godmother, Godfather doesn't mean anything legally, okay? Or it, it can, depending on the, their decision. So for me, though, I found out that the Godmother, Godfather of this child, my second niece, was, for, was somebody who wasn't even in our family. So put that on top of what I just said about the aunt-uncle thing, I'm like, and I, I heard about this kind of just, you know, Oh, oh, by the way, sort of fact. <sighs> Boy, that, like, that hurt. Because, because like I said, I, I know how much I love this child. The other one is with uh, actual family members who are a couple, so that makes total sense. I get that. But it's like, <sighs> a lot of emotions churning. And there were some other things that came up, but I got super emotional. And I was on a family vacation. I was supposed to be having fun, right? I kind of go away for a bit. I text my brother. I'm like, hey, dude, we need to talk. And he comes, confronts me, and like, I just start crying. I, I, I start tearing up. And I told him, like, I don't want to talk about this right now. There's family like, in the same building as us. I'm like, can we talk about this later? And I was controlling myself. I was doing the best I could. But we were able to talk about it later. The reason why we were able to talk about it later is because what I believe are the truths of the gospel and my faith today. There were a lot of emotions present, but I recognized them, and I understood them the best I could. And kind of three things happened. Number one, I was able to just talk to my brother. Yeah, I had to put it off for a little bit, just kind of collect myself and collect my mind and get in a better scenario and setting. But because my, I didn't base my beliefs on my emotions right then and there, because I focused on the truth of the gospel and my faith, I was able just to have a conversation with him and not a yelling match, an actual conversation. Number two... I was able to forgive him. He did hurt me. He did. He, he, he wronged me. And I, and, and I hurt him too in, in a few different ways, but I was able to forgive him from that conversation. That's a, I mean, that's, that's, that's so much better than just talking to him, but actually forgiving him that night and not holding any bitterness to it. Yes, do, do I want one of my nieces to be my godchild? Absolutely. But there's no bitterness between me and him. We understand each other more, and we focus more on Christ. And number three, belief that God was leading my life in the, in the gospel, and this was because my faith is based on the truth of the gospel and not just the feels it gives me. 
or the feels that I have when things aren't just going my way, because that was a sucky day of vacation. In fact, here's the best thing. This is the best thing about our emotions and our faith. In fact, my emotions actually revealed my, in my heart areas of sin and things I was wrestling with. That's a benefit. You know, if you, if you know you get irked or mad at something, well, if you recognize and understand it, maybe that's something God's telling you that, hey, this is something you need to deal with or something you need to confront and bring to me or bring to others and let others know about it. You know, our emotions have our proper place and when we interpret and address them and not place them on a pedestal nor make that the reason why we believe, they can be used to strengthen our belief in the truth. Go back to the house analogy. If we don't make our emotions the cornerstone and we make truth the cornerstone, we actually can build a house where our emotions fit in somewhere and just keeps building and building up because we can recognize and give that to God first or decipher and discern with one another in that. Because they are hard to interpret at times. You know, there, there were a lot of emotions coming out on that vacation. Remember, I'm not a crier, and that was a good cry for, for a little bit. So there's, there's a lot to unpack, but we were able to unpack it in one night, and continuously still, uh, as I grow in, in that. But, but because I didn't base it on my emotions and based on the truth, all those things were able to happen. Next slide. So these emotions. Remember, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to focus kind of in, in the middle ground. We're not robots, nor should we base our belief on emotions. But how do, once again, how do kind of emotions fit in? Where do we actually see them? So actually in the Bible, emotions can be, see, can be seen anywhere. Uh, one big area is actually the Psalms. So maybe a few people do this. It doesn't have to be everybody. But if you have your Bible app or Bible itself, just open up to the Psalms. Pick any chapter, pick any, pick any part of Psalms, and read it for a little bit. If you see any sort of emotion being expressed, or you can interpret that, oh, David is like this here, shout it out. What emotions do you see in the Psalms? This is not rhetorical. So either Bible app or physical Bible. Open up to Psalms, any, any part of it. If you see an emotion being expressed, shout it out. I have my list. Or maybe you know some already that David expresses or, or other writers say. What emotions get expressed in, in David's prayers and, and what, whatever? Or what are some emotions you think get expressed? Say it that way. Whenever you see one, just open it up or shout it out. Don't, don't, see, here's the thing. So I get, I get to start being a teacher again on Friday. So don't make me be a teacher right now. I'll call on people. It, it's not beneath me. I've been doing this for years, so. Excitement. Excitement? Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe, or how about this way too? Are there other ways we can describe excitement? Are there other emotions that go with being excited? Enthusiastic, sure. Maybe joy. Happy. <laughs> Probably the simplest one we can think of. Yeah. Say it again. Fear. Fear, sure. Okay, what are some other things that kind of go along? Oh, you got one? Anger. Anger, sure. Sad. Those two kind of, I would say, get tied together a little bit. Praise. Praise. 
It's like a couple more. Remember, you can build off of others. I've heard anger, fear, praise, uh, excitement, enthusiasm. Say so maybe one more. Absolutely. That's actually number four on my list. Here's my list. And this is just a, by no means all of them, but loneliness, love, awe, sorrow, regret, contrition, discouragement and turmoil, shame, exultation, marveling, delight, joy, gladness, fear, anger, peace, grief, desire, hope, brokenheartedness, gratitude, zeal, pain, confidence. By no means is that every single emotion that gets expressed there, but there are explicit verses and sections that reveal that in the writer's heart, specifically David. So he comes to God with his emotions. He recognizes them, understands them, doesn't hide them. But if you read some of the prayers in the Psalms, you recognize that he is echoing truth first and foremost and then dealing with those emotions, and then interpreting them to reveal things in his heart that need to be prayed for and prayed about. So once again, emotions are a part of us. They're a part of our story. They're part of your characteristics. Am I still the angry child? No, but there are definitely things I get angry with that I can date back to when I was the angry child. That, yeah, they're a part of me, but I recognize and understand them, and I don't base my belief on that. Last slide. So the gospel and our emotions. Once again, kind of the big idea here, or a few more questions. What is your response to the gospel? Remember, there's three ways you can respond to it. With our emotions, how does the gospel make us feel? Our performance, which is next week, and our shame. And the gospel has something to say about all of those. If if our response to the gospel, if it is always an emotional response, then your faith will tend to waver as your feelings and emotions change. If it is based on truth first, then your emotions will, will reveal areas of your life that are, that are on your heart that need addressed. As our emotions turn into affection for God, no matter what is going on in life, that is evidence that our faith is based on the gospel being true or just being truth in general. But I think we always run back to that question of, what if I always let my emotions get the best of me? What if I am that angry child or the one who's depressed or sad or, or can't control my emotions? Yes, at times, it feels like our emotions are involuntary. You have a knee-jerk response to something, a minor inconvenience, a season of, of sadness or whatever's going on. But remember, you always have a choice, however. You control your emotions. You interpret your emotions. You can be emotional, but you need to recognize and understand them first. Do you choose to act on every emotion and feeling, or do you rest in the truth of the gospel? Rest in the fact that Jesus recognizes you, your mess, your actions, your feelings, and that the cross takes all of that to death so that you may have life in the Father. Recognize that that fact is true first and foremost. The crucifixion is true. The power of it is true. Does it elicit an emotional response? Yes, absolutely. You know, I can't watch the movie Passion of Christ and not feel something in there. 
But my faith isn't based on that feeling. My faith is, my faith is based on truth first and foremost. And then I can let things, my emotions, I can let the joy that you feel in that bring out more reverence for God. Express those emotions in prayer and recognize the truth of the word. Don't push them down to where they, can't, where they can do more damage. As being a non-emotional person today, there are times where I tend to just like take a breath and just kind of not, not act out in the time. And I'll deal with emotions later. And that's a good practice to have, but if that's always your response to like, oh, don't be emotional, like, you know, conceal it, conceal it, conceal it. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm doing okay. Don't worry. That's, that's almost more harmful to you. Pray for forgiveness for your emotions, for those feelings. Discern them with someone around you, your parents, adult leaders here, friends, especially if you're a person who acts out on your emotions. Talk to people who have felt them or have seen them frequently recognize and understand them and don't let them tell you what is true. Discernment. Think about what they reveal, what you believe in and is in your heart. Because that will bring about a stronger faith. It did for me. The situation that happened on my vacation would have gone way differently if I didn't believe in the truth of the gospel first and how important that is. Do you have an emotional response to the gospel? How's the gospel address it? It does. It does. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then you guys will be dismissed. Father God, we come to you um, for some thankfulness, Lord. I thank you that I had the opportunity to, to speak to these kids, speak to our hype uh, family here, Lord. God, I thank you for placing me in, a, in this district, placing me at this school um, where hopefully these students can see me more as more than just a teacher, but Lord, the disciple of you, a leader for you, a servant of you. God, I pray for discernment in our emotions. I pray that we can recognize and understand them. And that we can remind ourselves that they do not dictate what we believe is true. We put them in our in the proper place during good times and bad times. God, I pray that if we're dealing with different emotions uh, today, this week, this month, a season, whatever it may be, Lord. I pray that we can give that to you and we, that we don't do it alone. God, there are people here who might have the same feelings and same emotions, Lord. And when we can cultivate that sort of community here, Lord, we're reflecting your will. Lord, I pray that we believe the truth of the gospel first. What you say and did is true. Then we can have our, see where our emotions fit in. Lord, I pray we don't have a, just a knee-jerk response to things that happen in life or things that happen in our faith when things are going good or things are going bad. I pray for us to be even keel. I pray for us to be discerning people of what we're feeling at the time. And we always come back to you in truth than our feelings. Lord, let us build our house upon the cornerstone that is the truth of what Jesus said in these verses and so many more. Lord, we love you so much and we pray this all in your name. Amen.